Hello and welcome to The Inner Gamer, episode 111. We are your weekly dose of video game news, reviews, opinions, and discussions made for and by our listeners. My name is Brayden Oski. I'm Devin Dury. And I'm Luis Gonzalez. Today on The Inner Gamer, we are going to talk about the game For Honor. Uh, Nintendo Switch had some leaking happening in the insides. Mm? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. And then the lead writer of Valve is leaving uh, to go off to bigger and better things. We're also going to discuss the frustrations that we have as far as day one purchases and video game launches. And with that, Brett, please cue the music. Welcome to the Everybody and we're back. And this week we have a exciting game to talk about that we talked about last week. But first, I want to remind everybody we have a contest going on right now: the Solar Flare contest from episode 108. If you guys haven't shared our posts yet or listened to that podcast, episode yeah. 108, with our interview with the author James Hake, you should go back to listen to episode 108 at theinnergamer.net/slash the number 108. 108 Just, if, actually if you're wondering it's 108 i don't know it's, if we've, we've yeah. said that yet, if, if it hasn't been iterated yeah it's 108 108 go Wait. back and listen to that check it out which one is it uh, but that's 108 oh in, ca- in case you're you weren't sure in case more you like sure. 10 great <laughs> i hate you wow that's that, hey, hey, hey you have something new to hate look at that <laughs> no, he did a, no oh, no one should good. ever hate me actually yeah, that's a true. lot of people don't hate. should hate me yeah, but, you just uh, had a birthday too so we don't want to hate you I did, oh that's right. you did all right happy i, I, I uh, rescind my hate i apologize and happy birthday 20 great no i didn't turn 28 i turned uh 24 i almost forgot man gosh you're so young I am kind of, I guess. I'm sure that's what Devin's thinking right now. Fuck <laughs> off to both of you. <laughs> I'm looking at the little pip in my screen right now, and you're just dogging me. I don't like it. I don't dogging me. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, so check out our solar flare. Yes, contest. please go to it. We uh, are give a share. These comics yes. are great. If you uh, uh, like to read some uh, new material that is from an up and coming. Uh, popular comic, I suggest it. Solar Flare is great. Those that don't know what the contest is, we are giving away the entire set of Solar Flare that's been released, completely signed by the author, James Hake. So check Issues it out. one through six. We will be posting another post about this on the day this podcast comes out, on the 21st. And if you share that, you may just win the comic. So check it out. Anyway, gaming guys, let's talk about some games. Yeah. Was I the only one who played? I mean, I played a lot, but it's you're playing old, old games. Stuff. That's uh, old you're you're stuff, you're yeah. playing catch up right now. But I want to hear new stuff. I know, mm-hmm. you know, and Louise, you're really still excited. in Neo. Yeah, Neo's which I, still I, is great. I'll, as I'll I be said honest, last I am week. Too. Yeah, I, I've been trying to find you online, and every time you're playing, I'm not playing. <laughs> and every time I'm playing, you're not playing. It's ridiculous, but it's still great. I'm beating boss by boss, taking it a little bit slow. Until Horizon comes next week. Dude, I can't wait. But um, you played something pretty interesting, Devin. I did. Um, I we, we talked about it last podcast when we got into the beta, but um, I have been playing For Honor, um, the new Ubisoft combat-heavy game, For Honor, which features a story, basically, of a cataclysm that took place where there's water everywhere, and then not enough water 
and then now there's some water. But this <laughs> this water cataclysm wiped out a majority of like uh, all these medieval castles and factions, and then there was um, uh, kind of a rebirth of all these uh, samurai, Vikings, and medieval knights. I will say, uh, for uh, for the game itself, For Honor is a lot of fun. I've probably sunk, I guess, close to sixteen hours into it now. Okay, so I'm I'm That's good. I'm I'm a fair pace into good. it. Yeah. Well, I'll be honest; the majority of that is all um, multiplayer. Okay. Some single. I was about so, to ask that. Yeah, some. Because I know there's a single player, and that's there is. what was excluded from the beta. There is. Yes, there is a single player, but we'll get to that in a moment. Um, the high points I will say for this game that really draw, uh, that will draw its crowds in, is the unique combat mechanics. This features a like variety is the spice of life when it comes to For Honor because you have those three factions, and each of those factions has different classifications of warriors there's no just one type of warrior right which i didn't realize when i was playing the beta but after you talked about it last week and stuff i was like wow there's you know you pick a samurai you're not just gonna be a samurai no you have all kinds of uh different fighting styles and not just fighting styles but each individual class has their own special perks that they can do uh me choosing the vikings which has been one of my favorites uh to be they have vikings with just a giant axe who can boost up morale and make people work together in a big in a big area of effect kind of burst where you're doing more damage or you could be somebody with a uh, a sword and board the the sword and shield and you can turtle up and take a shitload of damage and counter people's attacks and all kinds of fun stuff where he can be my personal favorite the berserker who goes in with two zack two axes and pushes people around on the battlefield you do a little bit of damage here and there you dip out you dip in you're you're fast you're quick and then there's the valkyrie who can uh is a little bit of sword and board but there's also kind of some fun healing and other fun buffs you can do on the field so yeah there's a lot of variety to be had with these classes and I've gotten to mess a little bit with the the knights, not so much with the samurai. Sorry, haven't messed much with them. That was what you played though. In the I later. did play the samurai. Did you like him? Okay, I did like him. I liked him a lot. I don't know what the, I don't have anything to compare him to, but I thought he was really, really good. I mean, there was I, I'd like to see more of how they differ and see if they're like you know you have very clear you have a heavy, a light, and a medium of each class, and there's not much yeah. different, differentiations between the, the three different classes, or yeah. if there are significant reasons to go this or that based on your play style. Right. That was my question, Devin, is I only played part of the closed beta when they sent it out. Yeah. And I found a lot of people using... Like the samurai because he was very overpowered or in some cases the berserker because he was very overpowered. My, I guess my question is more of along the lines of balance and is there a, in, in the time you've been playing multiplayer, is there a, a, uh, a type of warrior that people like to gravitate to? I know a lot of people figured out because of the characters that weren't in the betas 
like I think it's the, the Sengoku or Shoguku or something like that. Yeah, the really big uh, knight or the really big Viking with the or the really big samurai with a club. Yeah, the big really, ass really club. Good. And you know, he can like break people on his back and kill him instantly and <laughs> all of these kinds of things. And it seems like balance might be an issue early on. And I'm not sure if you've come across that yet. You you would think that, um, especially if you played the beta or in your case when you cl- uh, played the closed beta. Um, the balance in this game is actually one of the uh, strengths that I'm going to give this game. Um, This is very well executed balance. In my time of playing the multiplayer now, pretty substantially, um, I'm level six and uh, growing higher every match. I, I have yet to run into a, a gimmick that people are exploiting. Kind of like you would see in like early days of Overwatch when you'd see a whole team of 76s just rolling on you or just right. a whole bunch of Torbjorns sitting back and just nothing but turrets and good luck getting in. Um, the, the stylized mechanics of how each individual class has something to contribute actually has like a rock, paper, scissors effect with the rest of the classes. So yes, even though that Shingoku is very, very heavy and can take a boatload of damage and he can swing his giant club, he's very slow and cumbersome. And so for someone like me with my Berserker, I run circles around that guy and I'm dealing one or two quick hits. I'm shoving him and breaking his guard and shoving him against the wall and then dipping back out and giving that that time to other players who are on my team a chance to get in there and actually deal substantial hits. So there's a lot there's a lot to be said for the balance uh that that this game is offering. Um there is definitely an essence of roles that everybody takes, especially in multiplayer like uh, again, I'm I've been primarily playing the the Viking Berserker, and my role is definitely not to be on the front line of taking hits. I can't take many. I'm like I'm I, I take a couple of strikes, or if that one class uh, I cannot remember the uh, Tensei or Kensei or whatever who can on the samurai side who has a poison spear. If I get poisoned at all, I'm dead. Like it's just it's that's just gonna happen. I'm gonna eventually just collapse on the battlefield. I'm like well, this was fun. But there, there's a role that everybody kind of has. And yeah, you better hope that you are good with a little bit of everybody in the sense like, oh, well, I've got two of the, the swordsmen of knights. So we have no one who's really going to be quick on the battlefield. I better choose somebody who's fleet of foot and get, be able to get out there. Yeah. Um. In addition to that, uh, to that multiplayer, the matchmaking is actually really impressive for Ubisoft. I did not expect like the matchmaking to be as smooth as it was. That's good. It it really game is. Needs to have good matchmaking. So yes, that's, because that's, that's important. Well, because the, the the multiplayer is broken up into a couple of different play styles. You have the dual slash brawl, which is either one v one or two v two, which is a a, a ton of fun. Uh, there is the standard player deathmatch, which is 4v4. And then there's Dominion, which is the che- uh, three checkpoints and the army soldiers that are not players, but they're just influential army soldiers on the ground that you have to kind of help sway the tide of battle, I guess you could say. Because in every single one of those maps, there's A, B, and C. B is always in the center, 
and you have to push your forces forward to hold those checkpoints. But to do that, you have to kill the other small little incidental soldiers, not actual players, but little soldiers on the field. Yeah. And that's kind of how you hold B. Yeah, it's very Conquest-like. Yes, very Conquest-like. Um, the uh, One of the other really cool uh, strengths I love about this game is, you know, we've talked about the combat, or combat, combat, and how uh, you since you played the beta, I don't know if you saw this in the closed beta, Luis, but did you get, like, the executions? Yep. They're very cool. That's yes. probably one of my favorite things about the game. Those are amazing. Yeah, they're pretty and cool. And they're not only are they cool to look at, but you can do stuff mechanically in the game with those uh executions. Yeah. Those satisfying victories of um uh, again kind of going back to my berserker, but one of his perks is if he performs an execution, he can actually boost up his health a bit if he's taken damage. If he performs an execution, two more ticks of uh of health back to his uh health bar. Okay. As he goes, as he keeps uh, rolling around the battlefield, huh? And each each one of them has something kind of like that. I know one of the knights has the ability if he performs an execution, he gets some more uh, damage reduction of his stamina, so he can take more damage without or take more hits without depleting his stamina so much. Yeah, because if you if your stam- stamina depletes, like you better find a good safe hole to go hide yeah. in because you You're are <laughs> you are you are hiding. Yeah, you were yeah. in a hideout for a bit, man. So, so I've I've a question about the the matches and how you like deathmatch. We were talking yeah. earlier how it's four v four. When I first started playing this game, I thought that deathmatch would become one of those moments where you have a lot of isolated one v one battles on the battlefield. But after hearing you talk about how the berserker really is so much weaker than say this big, huge heavy guy. Do you see people traveling in packs as they approach the enemies in deathmatch specifically or in two V twos, for example, or how do they, how does this, how does the battlefield play out? It It's very situational is what I'll say about it. Okay. It is definitely situational because yes, there is uh the way the deathmatch starts, it's it, it is four v four. So you're de- you're automatically paired at the start of the match across the field from one of the opponents. Like that's just automatic. It's you you see them, so you're like, okay, do I want to take the time and try to one v one this guy, and then go help up my comrades, or should I go help my guy out right now? Yeah, and maybe force a little play into like a two v two kind of face off or whatever it may be, depending on the map I've played. Or the people I'm playing against, it is very situational. Yeah, I came up against one who was a very good kinsai who was able to like make that poison spear stab me very quickly, and I don't know why, <laughs> but I got paired against this uh, female character like three times in a row, and I was like, "Son of a bitch!" So the third one, I was like, "No, no, 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 we're not doing this anymore." So I ran and went and helped out one of my guys, and it, we ended up winning the match, which was great because I helped him out. I went and grabbed one of the uh, healing perks that were on the field, and then I went and took her out, which greatly helped me get a, right, a nice right. upper hand against her. Yeah, so it, it it's cool. situational. There's stuff, yeah. but depending on the map or the perks that are out there or the players that you have, it's you you need to work in tandem. One of my one of my difficulties that I'm playing or finding right now is not everybody's using a headset. 
<laughs> oh yeah. So I'm sitting there That's like the case with really every. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Playing and with pubs. Pe- and pe- stuff. Yeah, it's tough with pug, uh, the you know the pug groups. But I, I, yeah, I, w- I would love to play this with my other friends. Right. So right. that you know we could kind of coordinate our own. All right. I'll. I'll. You take the. Uh, the. Um, valkyrie this time and and you go for the the samurai and you go for this and we can really coordinate some really strong kind of uh you know actual tactical approaches to the multiplayer what system did you get it on ps4 oh my gosh <gasps> oh my god we could make a team uh, we could oh my god um i, I will say this. though just to uh, ju- uh to throw out the, my nitpicks of it because i do have some gripes on it um first off if you're new to a game like this the learning curve is harsh and I mean harsh. They take you through a. I agree. They take you through a very small tutorial where they teach you like the. I, I'd I'd be willing to say they don't they don't even teach you all the basics. They teach no. you some. Some, my a major combat basics, and that's it. Yeah, here's how you fling your sword in the end. And here's how you <laughs> Here, fling your sword. Here's, here's how, how you block. Here's how you lock on. Here's how you block. Here's how you attack. And uh, we're not going to teach you anything else. Well, what about stamina and combos? Nah. Yeah, I didn't know there was combos nah. until I pull up the menu. I was like, holy yeah. shit, this is like moral Everybody combat. has a move set. Yeah, it's Everybody crazy. has a move set. Crazy. Um, the story for the single player is cool. It's just not well told. And this has kind of been my gripe with Ubisoft's game, with Ubisoft games for a while, is they make these great ideas, but sometimes they just fall short on some of the execution. The story's a bit shallow and... It's told in chapters, and chapter one is knights, chapter two is Vikings, chapter three is samurai. And it's like chapter 1.1, 1.2, 1.3, so on and so forth. Right. Um, You're given these quote-unquote characters to kind of follow, but you don't really care about them. More than anything, the story has just been a unique way for you to figure out the play style of those characters. Yeah. Yeah. So... It's it's cool. It's it's unique and it's different. It's just not very well fleshed out. So that's a little bit of a gripe. Um, but I, my question is more about, I guess the single player kind of speaks for itself. Yeah. And my biggest concern with Ubisoft games when they first come out, you look at the division, right? The player counts up now, but it's not incredible and it's not what they wanted it to be because it wasn't really sticky. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it wasn't yeah. in a position to have longevity with gamers. And that happened with Rainbow Six at the very beginning. And now they're pushing it because it's year two and they actually fixed the game to where it probably should have been at launch, right? (laughs) Right. My question to you is, do you think that's the case now? You've talked about like four game modes. That Mm -hmm. doesn't seem like a whole lot to keep somebody around forever. And aside from class variety and maybe a a little bit of level variety. I'm not sure if the stickiness is there, and I mean, you'd be the one to tell me if that's the case. Is that maybe a gripe that you have with it? Uh, Slightly to a a degree, yes. Um, You know, I kind of use the comparison to Overwatch just because Overwatch doesn't have a huge amount of game modes as well. You know, you've got stay to the checkpoint or hold a couple points or escort the payload. Right. Um, They're all differently uh, executed, so, you know, you have... Uh, attack the point, then escort the payload, which is very unique. I haven't gotten to that one yet. If it is in For Honor, I haven't seen it yet. But I will say what does make it, in in, in kind of your terms, sticky, Louise, is those uh, those character, uh, the character customization gets um, 
gets really in depth when you start actually getting to level up your character and then get new gear for them. So you get to um, you get the cool aesthetics like skin stuff and armor sets and there's a couple of neat little perk things like you know this axe that you get helps your abilities cool down about 5% faster or this one increases your damage output but lowers your defenses kind of thing. So there's some yeah. balancing equipment that you can get. Okay. Nothing game breaking by any means that I've not at least not that I've seen yet. Again, I'm only level 6. I'm sure there's out somebody out there who's already level fucking 40. I don't know. Um but to that point, it's one of those weaknesses is that those those combat combos on the field Man, they are sluggish. Yeah. You are a bit sluggish sometimes. To, to a point where I'm like, look, I, I could swing a sword faster than that. <laughs> Come on. That was a big gripe with me in the beta as well. Is it just felt kind of slow and cumbersome. Yeah. Not that it didn't feel meaty and great when you actually hit things mm-hmm. or when you actually landed combos. Right. But just the, okay, I feel like I could drink some coffee in between every hit or every <laughs> oh stroke gosh, of a yeah. sword. And it's tough for me to say what it was like beforehand. That. Yeah, it was well, tough it, for me to say what it was beforehand. I mean, yes, there's times where I'm 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 kind of like, son of a bitch, I'm supposed to be the fast one. Let's let's move across the field, bro. But um, by no means is it keeping me from playing it. Playing it, I'm 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 still going to be going forward with it. And um, I guess to drive the point home, you know, dig, ditch, or delay, I'm going with the dig. Interesting. Yeah. All right. I if if for anything else, uh, I would say. It's going to be a dig with an asterisk. Yeah. And that, that footnote for that asterisk is make sure you got some buddies to play with. Yeah. I know. As, as soon as that game goes on sale, I'm going to buy it. I'm, I'm waiting for, I'm, I'm looking for a $40 price point. I'd say, I'd say $40 is a perfect price yeah. for this game. Yeah. I like that. If you get it at $40, i will get it at $40 as well. Okay. It also cool. depends when it drops to $40. I hope it's yeah. in a weird yeah, seriously. lull in the summer or something. Right. Because we've got some good ones coming up. But we do. I'm glad we you like do. it. Man. Yeah. We do. I do. Awesome. Well, um, yeah, so we talked about Louise, you're playing Neo. I've been playing through Uncharted, but I'm going to wait until I finish all of them. I'm and so glad you've almost like through that. You're, you're powering through this. Dude, I'm, I'm loving it. I got four. I'm, I've been I've been looking at I like to when I play a game, I like to ahead of time look at how many chapters or levels or whatever is in the game just so I have this sense of progression in my head as I'm going through it of what's happening. I'm so opposite. I know. It's, I, it's weird. I, it's so I, weird. I hate knowing. So I know that this game has this one I'm playing now has twenty six chapters and I just started twenty two. So I'm like right there. I'm like within moments of it and I can't wait to continue onward. But yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll I'm interested to hear what you have to say about it, but my opinion is that two is astronomically better than than one, like astronomically, it, like I, night and day better. Right now, I completely agree. I mean, it's okay. it's so good. I mean, it still has a lot of the flaws that the other one did, yeah. mm-hmm. but in terms of just like the intensity and the variation, mm-hmm. the the scenery yeah. and stuff like that, it's really really solid. Yeah, so. getting to, I mean, it, it's a kind of expected. I think the opinions are pretty standard across uh, people in these games. Yep. Maybe for, like give or take the opinion of two versus three or three versus four, but mm-hmm. I'm glad you like it, man. I'm yep. interested to hear it. That's cool. Yep. Cool. And uh, real quick, I want to mention before we move on to our news segment, if you guys miss our videos from when we, well, not me, but when th- these other guys went down to <laughs> PAX South 2017, go to the innergamer.net and click on the watch tab. We have a few of the videos posted there, and you can also click a link that'll take you to the full set of videos recorded with all the cool developers we talked to and 
game table makers and all that good stuff. So we got some really cool interviews. Go check those out at theintergamer.net. Yep. And, we talked uh, to a lot of really great people at PAX. Yes. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Games. fun fact, yeah. I am in none of these videos. Yeah. <laughs> but you were there. I am in every there. single one of them. Yeah, yeah, this guy, yeah, Devin is in... Feed my narcissistic ego and watch them. So if you don't like listening to his voice, watch them anyway just for for me. I will give you another head injury. No, no. No, sorry. Please don't, please don't. All right, anyway, so let's take a break. We're going to come back, talk about some gaming news. A break. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. And we're back with some gaming news. We got a few I'm things this week, joke. but yeah, yeah, you don't need to do that anymore. But uh, I want to real quick joke stealer before we jump into what's coming up next week, video game wise. I made a boo boo last week, and which case I said that Deformers, the game from Radiant Dawn, was coming out on February fourteenth. It was delayed. Actually, I didn't realize that it was printed that month that it was coming out on the 14th, but then it was like last minute delayed. So we don't know when it's coming out yet, but they delayed the game. So Deformers is not coming out yet. But what is coming out are several games. And on the day you listen to this podcast, February 21st, or if you're listening to it later, these games have already come out, but we have four titles coming out. We have first Berserk and the Band of the Hawk. That sounds like the most metal thing ever. It it does. It does, doesn't it? It's coming out for PS4, Vita, and PC. Or Vita. 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 Are you serious? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Vita. What's wrong with you? Uh, yeah. So anyway, Berserk will fuse the signature one versus thousand style of action of the long-running Warriors franchise with the atmosphere of the world of berserk um i don't know much about this but it i guess it's a fighting game it's a very popular manga oh um, you know about this yeah okay guts good. the hundred man slayer and he wears like a suit of armor that makes him feel no pain he can still get hurt and injured but he feels no pain and he's known as guts the hundred man slayer awesome so what he said you're gonna hate me for saying out. this but uh berserk is actually a heavy influence on the making of dark souls Oh gosh, <laughs> that's okay. I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. I mean, there, there's Dark Souls is an original, obviously. I mean, I'm, I'm kidding, kidding. Smack. Anyway, so we also have another game coming out, Halo Wars Two for the Xbox One and PC. This is another one of their Play Anywhere titles. Yep. And Halo Wars Two is a strategy game, which I did not know this, but I knew it was being worked with three, four, three industries, but I did not know that the creators of uh, the Total War games yeah. are making this, yeah. which is Creative Assembly. So that's really cool. And uh, it's RTS, fast-paced action, massive battles, Halo Story, Halo Wars 2, coming to consoles and PC. So that should be interesting. And apparently it's supposed to be pretty good. So we'll see what They've happens. They've already started all their marketing on, on TV with the human versus the brute. Yeah, yeah. That was a good trailer. And they funny. E3, by the way. It was. Yeah, it was really it was good. good. Trailer. Yeah, um, I feel like the advertising is, was a little bit late, though. Yeah, it's um, very late. Yeah. I've been seeing Horizon trailers for like a, I don't know, like the better part of a couple of months. Right. I haven't right. heard anything about Halo Wars two, and reviews have already popped up. Apparently, it's a 
reviewing pretty decently. Not that's as good. good as the first, apparently, but yeah, still cool. Yeah, that's good. Um, another one that I'm really excited about is a game called Night in the Woods, and this is for PS4 and PC, and this is a 2D story-focused adventure exploration game with activities to enjoy, characters to meet, secrets to discover. Um, you run around the town of Possum Springs and the surrounding environments, and... Uh, you get abilities as you go through the game, grant, get passage in new areas, discover the secrets of a large cast of characters in the town itself, experience a crazy big world. Uh, what I like about this game is the art style. It's very pretty. It's a very good looking game. And it was supposed to have already come out, but it got delayed as do many games. And um, yeah, but Die in the Woods is coming out on the 21st. And last but not least on the 21st, we have Psychonauts and the Rhombus of Ruins for PSVR exclusively. And Rhombus of Ruin is a standalone game that's going to bridge the gap between Psychonauts and what is coming, Psychonauts 2. So those that haven't played Psychonauts, go back and play Psychonauts 1. It's made by Double Fine, correct? Double Fine. Yeah. Yeah, so it's made by Double Fine, and this is going to be a bridge between the two games, and it's going to be in PSVR exclusively. And then on February 24th, we have League of Worlds, which is coming out for Xbox One, PS4, and PC. This is basically like Minecraft with Legos, more or less, and you can build Lego blocks and stuff and find cowboys and vampires and polar bears and build race cars and steamrollers and all kinds of stuff. So Minecraft and Lego World. It's supposed to be pretty good. Yeah. I'm uh, very tempted to buy it. But uh, as you'll see in just a few moments here, there are other games coming out that I might play a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. So, Louise, you want to talk about that one? Yes. We are going to start something. Uh, well, this was more of feedback from ourselves. But uh, we've been talking about games that are releasing on the day of our podcast, the day the podcast releases. So we're going to start talking about days that released the Tuesday next on this podcast instead. That way you get the time to hear about it, to learn about it, to research it, what have you. This week's first game, February 28th, next week's podcast on Tuesday, Horizon Zero Dawn, the long-awaited PS4 exclusive, is finally coming. It has been delayed time and time again, as <laughs> most Sony games are, but it's finally releasing. It is supposed to be the next big IP for PlayStation by the developers of Killzone, Horizon Zero Dawn, revolves around Aloy, a hunter and archer who lives in a world overrun by robots. Having been cloistered her whole life, she sets out to discover the dangers that kept her sheltered for so long. Gameplay includes a use of ranged melee weapons, stealth tactics. You basically go out and wrangle a bunch of robot creatures. You tear them apart. You take those pieces. You make cool shit. You fight a bunch of crazy big-ass robots that look like giraffes and I don't know, rhinos and stuff. Robot dinosaurs. <laughs> exactly. It's an enormous open world. Uh, I liking it. I liken it to Far Cry and Rise of the Tomb Raider. I played it at E3 and it was amazing. I can't recommend uh, checking it out enough. I think all of us are going to play it. I feel like it's going to be something like Tomb Raider and Battlestar Galactica melded together. That's possible. Yeah. I mean, the robot side of things is a little tough to liken it to really in anything, but uh, <laughs> it's interesting. An open world. These guys have never done an open world guerrilla games, but it looks pretty cool. The previews have been very interesting. Nor have they done an RTS of this type of, con- or not RTS, RPG, sorry. Yeah. RTS? I'm stuck on Halo Wars. What happened? That's, that's, that's what it is. What happened it's to this game? It's Ten seconds. Uh, but the world looks cool. It's going to be one of the prettiest games out ever, I'd imagine. Or Dude, as I've seen. You got a PS4 Pro with 4K TV, so you're just going to be like... 
we're not going to see you for like five weeks because you're just going to be like, oh, oh yeah, my gosh. Then very, very soon after the uh, Switch is coming out. So uh, I don't know, man. I may just get fired from my job for playing too many games. My day <laughs> job, obviously. Games. I yep. hope you guys don't fire me from this job. From uh, for Why would we fire games. you from this? You're playing video you're games. You're playing video games. <laughs> That's what I'm shape. saying. Like, <laughs> Luis, you're not doing your job. You're playing too many video games, but that is my job. But that's what I'm supposed to be <laughs> Anyway, uh, that game is coming out. You should look forward to that one. But uh, awesome. we also have some other news that's not just video game releases. Yeah. Tell the us. The first of which, the Nintendo Switch, as I just mentioned, it's up and coming. It's two weeks away. Less than two weeks now. Oh, my gosh. That's insane. It's so sick. That's Someone insane. has gotten their hands on it before it was released. So the, the Neo Gaff user, Hip Hop the Robot, <laughs> got his Nintendo Switch shipped to him early, apparently. Turns out, no, it was stolen. And <sighs> Nintendo came out and said that it was stolen. But before they could acknowledge that and take all that stuff down, this dude basically showed everyone what the Switch can do, what the UI looks like, uh, some of the internal stuff that no one was ever to, able to look at. Um, it's unfortunate that this happened, but Nintendo's calling it an isolated incident and that legal action has been taken. Employees have been identified and terminated and are under investigation by local law enforcement. But we get news out of it. It sucks, but we, at the end of the day, it's kind of cool for us that we get to see this early. But um, Those poor souls who now have to face the wrath of Nintendo's legal team. Oh, <laughs> man. It's going to be crazy. But uh, they were able to tell us that the, the Switch comes with 32 gigs of inter- internal storage, which we do know but uses 6.1 gigs of that for the OS. So you're only going to have about 26 gigs to start off with, which is not great, but uh, I guess you can always buy a little SD card for you know, 25, 30 bucks. But uh, they also showed off the UI, what it can do. Mies are still there. They showed off some of the icons that you can use, the setup process. They also showed off some of the modes that you can go into, like night mode, day mode. There's themes that you can use as well. They showed the startup noises, uh, the brightness settings, a bunch of interesting stuff, but unfortunate that Nintendo had to go through this. It seems like they fall into this trap quite a bit. I was very pleased by the UI on the Switch because mm-hmm. Me too. I've been very frustrated, especially with like just buying the 3DS and how, one, it looks dated, and two, it's really bubbly and just like cutesy and I don't like that. I like that they went with a more streamlined, clean looking interface with this with this uh, console. So Yeah, it seems very responsive too. It's very simple and it seems very scalable too. It's, a, it's like a series of, not concentric circles, but circles that are in a line almost. So mm-hmm. if they ever add any features, they could just add another circle to it and it just becomes part of what's essentially a scroll bar. If you look at the 3DS and you see like they used to have the little squares and every yeah. square meant something. That was interesting because of the scalability as well, but I think this will be a little more user-friendly. But uh, yeah, that got leaked, and um, like I said, it was it was cool to see all of it. Unfortunate for Nintendo, but we know more about the Switch ahead of it, and Nintendo's uh, kind of reeling to, to pull some of that stuff in. Cool. Well, speaking of Nintendo-related things, I'm going to talk about some Pokemon because... Oh, God. We haven't talked about Pokemon Go in a very long time. We have not. It's been we in fact vowed like one of the last times we talked about Pokemon Go that we would shut up about it. Yeah, I know. And then we're back. Here we are. Because last week, actually, well, yeah, last week, they unleashed eighty new Pokemon to the game that aren't through eggs. 
which I'm so happy about <laughs> because there's finally more stuff to find. So what they've done is they added an update that introduces a bunch of Pokemon from Pokemon Gold and Silver, the games that came out after Red and Blue way back in the day. Nice and ones. Yes, exactly. And uh, they've added those, and they can be found just like everybody else. So to my surprise, I pull up the app. I haven't opened it in a very long time. And all of a sudden, I see, well, one, many new updates to the interface, which is great. And then I see a bunch of new Pokemon I can find that I haven't caught yet. So I got like eight new Pokemon in a period of like 20 minutes, which I was really excited about. It's like, yes, I got new stuff to play with. So it's pretty cool. but And they've also added some new UI features. Like you can now select like your berries and choose from different options to like help capture the Pokemon better. And they have a little another menu in the corner where you can eat more easily access and change your Pokeballs from the Pokeball standard to the Great Ball, the Master Ball, all that good stuff. So a lot of good stuff you can do. And um, yeah, and you can finally evolve Eevee in more than three ways. So that's also cool too. For those that know about that, yeah, these are also the best evolutions, in my opinion. I love <laughs> Espeon; she's my favorite. Yeah, she's super Orky. cool. So, yeah, check it out if you guys are into Pokemon or Pokemon Go. Austin's not here, but I know he's freaking out about he's it. Been, he's been enjoying it. Yeah, this is all we Greek can, to me, but I know you guys are enjoying it. So good. Yeah, yeah we can edit in like a screaming Austin noise or something <laughs> in here. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's probably we'll just, what we'll just like put right a Pokemon now. sound in there. <laughs> yeah. The uh, Cut in a Wobbuffet. A Wobbuffet. Wobbuffet. Oh, yeah. So that's what I got. Pokemon Go. Cool. Good stuff. New update. Free. Um, in other news, uh, a bit of a hit to Valve, but one of their uh, head writers, Eric Wolpaw, uh, known for his work with Half-Life 2, Episode 1 and Episode 2, Portal and Left 4 Dead has left Valve Studios. Um, he's been employed with Valve since 2004. Um, I myself have played all of those games and have loved all of them. And to see him leave is a little sad. Uh, they, No one knows why he left, Maybe it was just his time. Uh, what's even more confusing is no one really knows what his next move is. He's probably just upset that we still haven't seen Half-Life 3. So I would be. Maybe. Maybe, maybe there's some underlying story there. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, uh, there are reports that he is going to be on the writing team for Double Fine's Psychonauts 2. That hasn't been confirmed, mind you, but that is something that's out there as far as what people maybe think about what he's doing. That's an that interesting transition. That would be a hell of a transition because uh, Tim Schafer has been rumored to be like a really cool guy to work with and collaborate with. He's albeit super maybe cool guy. A, Yeah. I'll be, I've heard a little bit difficult at times, especially if you're clashing with his like creativity, but I mean, I don't see how, but you know, Walpole's a, a popular figure yeah. amongst the video game writing community. So I mean, those are all great games, great stories. So <laughs> they are indeed. It's really unfortunate, but yeah. oh, this is really off topic, but real quick, did you guys ever play Brutal Legend? Yeah. Yeah. 
Louise, did you play it? Brutal nope. it. Yeah. So I love that game. Yeah. And I want a it's second fun. one to come back. I mean, it's really stupid and corny, but I loved it. It was voiced it was by Jack so Black. Cool. I had to play I it. I know. I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> and yeah, so I don't know. If they ever say that they're going to make a Brutal Legend 2, I'll be so happy. Brutal Legend. It's with the Germanic U. A dramatic you. Anyway, so last thing we're going to talk about today is a story that actually I myself wrote. Um, those of you that don't know, we have a blog, theinnergamer.net slash read. You can check us out. We have a blog. We post a new article every Wednesday. And I put up an article based on some news that came out about Activision saying that Call of Duty is going to return to its roots in 2017. So I would highly suggest you guys go to theinnergamer.net, check out that article, and see what you think. But I've been playing Call of Duty since t- since the first one came out. Like, <laughs> I, am, I can guarantee you that I am more hardcore than most Call of Duty players that play it countless hours a day because I've been playing it since the beginning, the very beginning. So I know where it came from. I know where it is now. And I know where I want it to go in the future. And I hope they go that direction. So check out that article. It's online. Pretty it's cool. A very good article, actually. And then next week, on uh, actually the day after you lis- you listen to this podcast, on the 22nd, Louise will have an exciting new article coming out. And it sounds like it's going to be pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's going to be about games and uh, friendship. What? Games no, and like friendship. Friends, not like Mario Party losing <laughs> friends. Stealing stars super, losing friends. Super Mario Kart losing friends. But it'll be interesting. So uh, read Brett's, read all of them, and also stay tuned uh, next week for mine as well. Yes. Sweet. Well, that wraps up our news segment this week. Um, if you guys have any questions. Or if we, uh, if uh, you find a story that maybe we didn't cover this week, uh, please email us. Let us know your thoughts. Um, shoot us a message on social media, and we'll maybe try to include it on our next cast. Yes. And email us, hello, net. Check it out. We're, we're cool. Or you can go to our website and send it through our forum online. Or you can Pretty text awesome. Brett at... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, gosh. Give him my, what if I got like a billion text messages like right after we post this podcast? That'd let's, be amazing. Let's, Brett, a billion? Really? I'm just saying. A billion? It's going to be huge. Anyway. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. I got the most text messages out of anybody else. You have no China. It's China. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. China. I will tell you this. I will tell you this. All this fake news out there. I I, I, I heard it. I heard that I got the most text messages. I heard that from someone from my administration telling me this. And I have to say, my data plan did not pay a penny. I made Verizon pay for it. <laughs> I made Verizon pay for every single one of those text messages. Look what you did, Brett. <laughs> I take us to it. the break. All right, let's take a break. break and come back and talk about stuff that's stuff. video game related. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. Welcome back, guys. We are here for our discussion topic, and today we have a very interesting discussion topic to discuss. And this year we have a lot of big titles coming out. A lot of huge ones. And I thought it'd be interesting to talk about this because we had a commenter actually uh, on Facebook mention uh, not buying a game on day one because he has experience 
poor launches for a long time and doesn't want to see that happen again. So he doesn't buy games on day one. And I've seen this become a common thread with a lot of video games in that there, there is a frustrating state of day one purchases. And a lot of people tend to hold off for a lower deal. Like I mentioned earlier for, for honor, I want to wait until it drops in price. So I want to look, kind of discuss this with everybody and to talk about why are day one purchases so less uh, focused on now than they used to be and what can be done by developers to make it better uh, so that people are more inclined to buy it on day one than they would wait and see it come down in price. So uh, before we get started on this, I want to mention on launch day, you know, we pay $59.99 for a game. We expect a working title. Back in the day, you bought a game it worked. I mean, I don't remember many games that were just downright broken completely. Now, granted, games have gotten a lot more complicated than they used to be, but we get games now. You buy a game on day one. It's very common for us to get a day one patch or get a patch within the first couple months that yeah. fixes a lot of problems with this game that we spent $60 on. And it's... You know, it's concerning because why don't they have these issues ironed out beforehand? And multiplayer usually takes the biggest blow. I mean, there's always some optimization issues and things that come out, or it's just the multiplayer just doesn't work. I mean, it's either super unresponsive and laggy, poor frame rate, some, something's wrong with it, and it just it could take months for the game to actually be usable. And here we paid $60 for a game that you can't play. So I think about Gears of War 2 in that respect. Yeah. I would just remember like flashbacks of just sitting in the lobby of the multiplayer for, I think the longest I ever waited for a match was 20 minutes. Wow. That's insane. Just to play a match of Gears of War 2. Yeah, that's a that's a major problem. And it was yeah, it's definitely not to say that every game is like that, though. No, no not I think at all. 2016 was a good example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's there's a lot of games that came out in 2016 that weren't necessarily terrible launches, but they they did have maybe a a game that wasn't 100 percent polished, and that's yeah. po- polish is. I mean, we've heard people talk about it before. You know, finish your game and then polish it. Right. Yeah. So looking looking on the good of 2016, we had a, a couple games that to us were very good launches like overwatch that came out there was definitely some balance issues with some of the characters but that's to be expected because you had how many characters in the game that were all playing in the same app like Mm -hmm. you expect them to have to balance things over time Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it was a solid game i mean it played well great game and everybody to this day is is playing it like crazy and then we had a game like uh, uncharted 4 which uncharted 4 has a lot of writing on it because it's a single player experience. It's not something where people are going to come back to it every day. They're going to start the game. They're going to play those first couple missions. And if those first couple missions are broken, that's an issue for a player because they just spent $60 on this game and they may not go back. I mean, they're not going to go back and repeat those levels necessarily like they would with an Overwatch match where every match is different. So when you release a single player game, it needs to be good from the right. get-go. And uh, Uncharted 4 was a good game. Did a great job. And then uh, then we have Battlefield 1. You know, that's that's one that <laughs> they've notoriously had issues in the past with 
core launches. Which you could argue with your point earlier, that is multiplayer. It is. That is a multiplayer yeah. game. Yeah. But they, they did a good job and launched a game that had very few issues across all platforms. Yeah. And uh, single player was actually really good too. Yeah. But um, we had some bad games. I will fess up that The Division was not the greatest game I ever played, even though I did play it from day one. You tried to get me to get it, man. I did. I never did. But I know. You were talking about it. Well, it just, it you know, it was one of those games that wasn't finished. It, they, again, as Ubisoft does, good idea, not a great execution. Yeah. And it showed in the launch there were issues of enemy spawns, issues with uh, missions that wouldn't end, uh, glitches as far as characters just running through walls, people who were able to see you through walls, just some real, real touchy stuff that while playing, you're sitting there going, did they not want to finish the game? Yeah. Apparently everyone was just like, no, this is good. Go ahead and put that out to the people. <laughs> and here you paid, I mean, that was a fifty nine ninety nine title, right? That was indeed. Yeah. And then they also, you know, try to get you to buy additional content for it. And it's like, well, <laughs> you know, the game probably should be fixed before you start trying to sell additional content. And I feel even worse for people that, because all these games nowadays come out with like a gold edition or, you mm-hmm. know, this buy it with a season pass. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you could spend sometimes up to $120 on a game plus a season pass or even $100 and get a, a an unfinished game. I'll even admit that I'm I'm I am more prone to buying that extra $20 of content up front. Yeah. I I just am. Even if even if I don't even know if I'm going to be playing that game through its supposed DLCs, I'll buy that $80. Why do you do that? I'm just curious. Like, like what, what, what's your reasoning for going the extra mile on that? Just because I, if I think, well, if I, if I do decide to come back at it, I don't want to have to sit there and purchase it, purchase that DLC and then spend the time downloading it. I'd rather just have it and then just set my shit to <laughs> download and okay, cool. Great. I can hop back in. I can hop back in again. Yeah. Okay. I did that with uh uh BioShock Infinite. I did it with uh Dark Souls. I did it with Borderlands 2. I did it with a number of games, but not all of them had great launches. Right. Right. Some games don't even release with working multiplayer, and that becomes one of I mean, especially when it's touted as the the thing for the game that's supposed to make it so unique. Watch Dogs 2 this year oh no man yeah and then some people just don't optimize correctly yeah dishonored 2 great game on console not very well optimized for pc at the onset took about a couple of months just to get that going or but, uh, you've got games that uh i know that i've always uh been an advocate of if a developer says they're going to delay a game that's great news because it just means they're going to make the game incredible better yeah Mm -hmm. and sometimes that delay can happen too often yeah too many delays yeah and And i i 100 agree with you and i think 2017's best title so far is a testament to that neo was announced 10 years ago and it just came out yeah and it's incredible people love it 
I love it. You love it. I do. And oh, I do. That is a consequence of a developer really taking the time to flesh out this concept and make it great. And mm-hmm. it's a great game. It's awesome. But still, 2017 has games that might be might not be as finished as they could have been. Mm, I mean, For right. Honor is a great game. The combat is great, as mm-hmm. you said earlier. I did. But it may not have the content that's going to keep people around long enough. It's got slim game modes and yeah. variety in combat, but is there a variety in, in every match right. like Overwatch where anything can happen? Right. Or you're going to kind of fall into these sort of tropes and and strategies that everyone uses because you basically have to. Well, there's that kind of it's, stuff. It's there's that uh, that issue of with these these multiplayer games on day one launches. Did the team do enough balancing of that multiplayer to where if what's what's so unique about Overwatch is you can come back from a completely behind like lagging experience of a match and thinking I'm going to lose in like 10 seconds and then the team can rally and win. And very few other multiplayer games can do that. Right. And especially on some launch days, like there were just, um, again, I go back to some of my other, uh, some of my other, uh, multiplayer games on day one. Um, I, I hated, the I'm going to beat it up again Gears of War 2 where everybody was just going for the torque rifle literally oh, yeah. everyone everyone no, was going for the torque rifle it was just like the shotgun in the early Halo 3 I think even Halo 1 and 2 yeah there were some game OP you get go the shotgun the just get the shotgun and you'll win the noob tube in Modern Warfare 2 <laughs> oh my god like, th- those kinds of things and not to say that Things like that don't make a game unique, but they can definitely break a game. And uh, I think can. it really comes down to to the future, right? And right. You know, what sh- developers should be doing in mm-hmm. a certain way. Yeah. And well, th- and that that goes into what are what what goes into the to the development cycle of a game, mm-hmm. right? And so in 2017, we have there's a lot of change that's happening with games. Like we've already had last year, we had a bunch of new games come out with top-notch graphics, great stuff. People were figuring out the console systems and stuff like that. But this year, it's even harder for game developers to deliver a game, one, on time, and two, bug-free. Because now you're having to deal with, we have new hardware coming out, we have the Nintendo Switch coming out this year. We have VR is always going to be a consideration. And then we have every console system has, it does now or will soon have two versions of that console. So we have PS4, we have PS4 Pro, we have Xbox One, and then we're going to have Project Scorpio coming out. So there's a lot more writing on these developers to not only make their games better each year and iterate even more, but then also make sure that they play well on more devices and systems than they've ever had to in the past. You're really talking about yeah. Well, you're 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 with that. You're I mean, you're really talking about stretching a developing a development team like not. I want to say too thin, but you're really having to like you're pulling a lot of resources here, right? When you think that, I to kind of kind of correlate it. If you want to look at it from a uh the old uh, movie distributions with DVD. HD DVD and Blu-ray. Oh gosh, yeah. 
I mean, you think about that, it's like, God, do I want to format my my movie to be this style or this style? And still to this day, developers have to go, nope, we're making it for all of it. Right. Making yeah. it for all of it. Make it work on everything. Yeah. Well, with that, I mean, that's just, you know, transitioning the, you know, the resolution of it. But in this case, like you have, you have different, you know, if you have a PS4 versus a PS4 Pro, yeah. I mean, the processing power is immensely stronger. So do you Absolutely. build more into this game to a, accommodate that right. extra processing power or right. do you just build for PS4 and just like leave it at that? So yeah. my my concern is going to be, well, let, let's talk a little bit about how can we make it to where the development's better. I mean, we know that we've had some bad launches and the stakes are higher this year for a lot of development teams. So what can be done to make make things better? I mean, make, make it to where they don't have those failed launches. Um, I mean, are they turning things around too fast? Are teams getting disjointed? Are, do we have too high of expectations? Like, what do, what do you guys think? I, I mean, our expectations are high. But oh, yeah. I think they've been. Set, I think our expectations have been set high because of highly successful games that have done it right. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, my expectations don't just come out of nowhere. Like I don't expect just great multiplayer just out of nowhere. No, I played great games like Overwatch. Yeah, that are damn near flawless in their multiplayer. That's it. That, yeah, that's interesting you say that because I mean now that you've now that we've seen Overwatch, we almost expect to have future well games like Overwatch and Battlefield like we said last year like no we expect those experiences to mm-hmm. come again or even more so like you can't take a step back once you've made that step forward almost yeah um, unless you're indie titles which you know you can do a Stardew Valley and go back to ancient times sure. and still make a game that looks really good and plays really awesome but sure um, I don't know I mean like let's talk about delays for a second like <laughs> think about we talked about Last last year, the Last Guardian, it, ten years it took. Final Fantasy fifteen or whatever that number was, it took ten years, and we just found out that uh, I mean, South Park and the Fractured Butthole was supposed to have come out last year, and now it's coming out this year. Is that I mean, I, what do we I, expect? From I, that? I I hear I still stand by my original statement months ago when we talked about this. A delay to me always speaks to a development team wanting to give polish to a great product so that the people who are buying it are getting their money's worth. I will say that Last Guardian is probably the exception to that rule. Right. Because it was delayed and 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 then finally came out and some of the controls may have been unresponsive and people may not have been 100% behind it, but, but still a good game, still a very, very fun game and a great game. But that again, that's the exception to the rule. I'll say on that note, I, I believe the same thing. I think delays are perfect. They're more gamer centric than developer centric, and and that's my real opinion. I mean, I like to you know see the greener side of things, and I think developers do really want their 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 consumers and their players to really enjoy a game more because of these delays. At the same time, it's a double edged sword, right? You delay a game is the amount of money, the amount of time, and the amount of resource that you're putting into this from a monetary side at the end of the day, video games are a business, is that really going to pay off? 
I don't think the last Guardian meant to be delayed as long as it was. I think it really no. truly meant to be a PS3 game. Yeah, and I, I, I remember reading this somewhere, and I and don't really quote me on it, but I think it was 2011 that it actually started production in, in the game that we saw this year. Yeah, or last year at the end of the year. That said, I think a lot of developers think that same exact thing going into game releases, right? I think Ubisoft thinks that going into the release of Warner or Watch Dogs or The Division and probably Ghost Recon Wildlands as it comes out this year. They see, we put this amount of money and resource into this at this point. If we sell it now, we will make either the same margin or the same amount of money as if we had released it with this much more content because of great gameplay mechanics or enough content to get people into a game for 12 or 15 hours. The stickiness isn't there. And I think they've kind of seen that that doesn't really matter for them. I, as, uh, like I said, it's not beneficial for the gamer. Like, I don't think I was about to say the stick of truth. The fractured butthole <laughs> is being delayed because of selfish reasons. I think it's being delayed because well, one, the release window. I mean, if you release it now, you're going to have to compete against the legend of Zelda. Um, <laughs> but also because the the guys behind it, Trey, uh, Trey Parker, Matt Stone, they want that game to be incredible, just like yeah. the Stick of Truth was. Yeah, That game had, aside from shallow gameplay, it, was, it had no flaws. It was exactly what people wanted. Yeah. But it's unfortunate that that's what developers have to think about, right? They think about their fans, but they also have to think about money. And there are the very few that are able to not have to think about the money so much and care more about the fans and, and really do come out on top. <laughs> Look at The Witcher 3 and CD Projekt Red, Naughty Dog, uh, to an extent, uh, Bungie. All of these guys, I mean, like I said, to an extent, Bungie, obviously, Destiny wasn't the most complete thing ever, but <laughs> by the end of year two, it's weird. And, and the developers, and we're not part of the industry, if you'll say that. We're not developers. We've never been you know, in studios and been in the shit. But uh, as much as delays are great, it uh, it ultimately comes down to the money, right? And uh, like I said, as, if we could delay every game and know that it would pay off exponentially or like in a one-to-one way, totally do it. I'd, I want more characters in For Honor or more stages or whatever. Yeah. But that's that's really not the well, case. Well, that's when you get development teams who have combative publishing teams, and you know that's that's a that's a deep industry issue in in and of in of itself. So we won't have to go. We won't dive into that. But I it, it I hate I hate agreeing with the point. Not that like. Not that it's a bad point, Luis. It's just a point that I'm like, damn. I just, I wish we didn't have to worry about that money side of it. That I know that they, the development team, is, is, it's, it's a business. At the end of the day, it's a business. They're trying to make and, a dollar. And, yeah, and on that same topic, a lot of dollars. Probably the last thing on this topic is day one patches, right? I think we have <laughs> that kind of slated to be talked about. I am okay yeah. with day one patches because you know what it does. There is a supply chain associated with making games and putting them out. If you say this game has gone gold, and by gold you mean there are still some things we're going to do in the four weeks it takes to produce and distribute, that saves not only the developer money, but it also, it, I mean, that's really what you want, right? If the developer is doing this for a good reason, if it's 
you know, the Final Fantasy 15 day one patch that was enormous, but that made the game way better, or as people were saying, a whole different game. Yeah. I don't think that's a bad thing because that's helping the developer who you should be caring about as well. If you like their game and you play their game, you're obviously supporting them and you're overall pushing the boundaries of gaming. So why in the hell should you care that you have to download 20 gigs of data when in reality that 20 gigs was a labor of love to also help out them? Yeah. It'd be different if they released the day one patch and it was still broken as shit, which some games, I can't really name any at the moment, but which some games do. But I, I kind of, I'm, I'm okay with them finding ways to make this a little bit easier on themselves because at the end of the day, gaming is not very profitable. It can be if you have a formula like Activision and Blizzard and obviously they have it so down that right. people love them for it. But uh, some of the small guys, it, it just doesn't work out that way. Uh, but at the end of the day, it, it it's a couple of things, right? They know what their fans expect, but we might be expecting too much. And I like to side with the gamer more than the developer in a lot of these cases because a lot of the developers that you know we've come to, to know are kind of infamous for it just being not really about the gamer if, if you you'll call it that they're more out for themselves again it's the dichotomy right gamers and good game versus money and making a profit some gamers just expect a lot and i think that that expectation has it hasn't it's a recent thing at least that's me it's a recent thing i i, I really didn't hear this argument in you know, the middle of college, but I'm hearing it a lot more now. Right. And I don't know if that's been y'all's experience as well, but it has been for me. I think it, I think it has. I think ever since, I can't really say when the threshold happened, but I do know that I feel like it's almost as if ever since we started seeing a lot more of these, like we're in a world now where a game comes out you can almost anticipate that it's either going to have already planned DLC or already planned season passes set aside when it first comes out. I feel like once that business model came to be a thing, then I almost feel like that was when we started seeing less quality on day one or having issues on day one. Because I wonder if because these publishers, which is I'm assuming it's the publishers that are demanding that you know, this game, when you launch it, has a season pass planned out for the next course of the year. Well, they've obviously already had to put development time into planning that out. Maybe because of that happening, they've pulled away their time to actually make the core game good yeah. and what it needs to be on launch. So I almost wonder if this idea of finding ways to monetize a game post-launch has kind of hindered developers from making the actual game that they're trying to produce for day one not be as good as it could be. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, it's it 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 projects an image at least from us the consumers. It projects an image to us of basically a development team that says, "Just put the game out now. We'll fix it later. We'll just put some microtransactions to pay for that." Yeah. Yeah. At least that that would be uh, that's a very oversimplified view of it, but that's essentially what I would think is the image that's being projected. Yeah. But we had Battleborn last year, which came out, you know, right with Overwatch. And Battleborn I was really pumped about before it came out. It had a season pass. I bought the season pass. 
I haven't played it past the first week of the game coming out. And it was because there was a lot of issues with the game. So I want, but they had, when you bought the season pass, you knew what was coming with the season pass. So obviously they put some time into the, all that stuff way ahead of time and maybe they should have not done that and then figured that stuff out after launch and yeah you'd have like six months where we don't know if the game's gonna have a season pass or not but then update people like let's take borderlands for example when the first second borderlands came out i don't think we knew what the dlc was going to be right but then eventually they told us and it brought new life into a game that wasn't being talked about after the first however many months it took for people to beat the game yeah. and then all of a sudden oh hey we have DLC coming yeah. out well now people are excited about it again well and they instead, even said uh, that was one of the things yeah. I loved about uh, uh, Gearbox was they when they when they came out with that season pass they said we're going to have this many DLCs we don't know when but we're going to have this many we know we are so that was kind of nice to know in advance like I at least know I'm getting this many when they're coming out, I don't know. Hopefully, it'll be nice and spaced out, so I'll be able to keep coming back to, to the game. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, that's that's what I think is one of the issues of day one botch launches is that maybe they're <laughs> spending just development team stretched thin working yeah. on too much other stuff yeah. after the game even comes out. After the game comes out, that they can't work on the core game itself, and that sucks. And then playtesting is hard too, especially with, I mean, PC especially because everybody's got, there's a billion different types of PCs you can get now and, you know, console systems, you have different levels of internet speeds and things like that. I mean, it, there's way more options available to gamers than there has ever been. And in terms of like hardware, that it's it's really hard for developers to find that even keel where it used to be like, you had Nintendo 64, we're developing for Nintendo 64 and that's it. You know, and that keeps it super simple. So nice. I don't know. That's tough, but so we'll see what happens. Twenty seventeen. Um, any closing thoughts from you guys on day one launches? How to make it better? <laughs> I think it just really comes uh, down to d- developer communication. Um, yeah. If they're honest and open about sort of where they are with the game, mm-hmm. uh, I think it'll help out them into the future if maybe something is a little bit wrong or if they, like you said, told you right out the gate that there were going to be five, six DLC items that sort of helps open up your eyes as a gamer and see where the developer is. But engaging the community, I think, is where gamers really start to grip and kind of trust developers and don't abuse the trust, obviously. Don't be a a Hello Games or or anything like that. But uh, I think it'll help very much with uh, the problems that come with these day one patches or these semi-unfinished games. Right. At the end of the day, I I like to give the developer the benefit of the doubt, and uh, it normally works out for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd agree with that. I'd I'd say that just communication with your fan base is just key, whether it be in the form of, um, you know, Activision Blizzard did a lot of like little press releases or videos or news updates, or if it's more alphas and betas, uh, you know, I, I, it's tough to say what the, what the sweet spot is as far as the communication with us, the, the consumers and the gamers, but um, it, it, it needs to maintain a stronger connection with us to be able to, uh, to know what game to, to know what game to play. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. I mean, I, I've just to kind of wrap things up 
here, but looking back on Battlefield 1, we talked about that being a really good launch, and they've been notorious for not having good launches. I remember, I think what saved them with that was their open beta. That mm-hmm. was the most successful open yep. beta ever from them. Um, and they had a huge, a really solid, very in-depth follow-up survey, and they got a lot of information well in advance that they could use to carry into their launch day and apply to that game and make some final fixes of what's wrong with our multiplayer. Here's what's wrong with it. You know, let's let's throw it in there. I think, like Louise said, open communication, being more responsive with the community, both before and after, and then keeping it up just like Overwatch does with their developer updates and then their, their yeah. play test, uh, like open public beta testing thing that they have for PC where people can test out maps and things like that before it gets released. Those kinds of things I think the community, we're going to need to see more of as time goes on. And It's know, a big year for games too. It is. It's a big it year. Is. A lot happening. So Nice. We'll see how it goes. But anyway, that wraps up our show, guys. We have had a blast talking with you this yep. week. Yep. And, Thanks for tuning uh, in. Thank you for listening to us. Uh, what are we playing next week? Um, I'm guessing, obviously, probably some uh, more For Honor. I, and, I'm going to be balancing you know, between and, Neo and For Honor. Um, I really want to get into some more of the multiplayer of Neo. And as far as For Honor goes, I really want to finish the single player mode so I can actually have that completed. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Neo for me. Uh, I think I'm not even halfway through the game yet, so I need to uh, make sure I get to that point before the 28th. Cool. Mm. I'm gonna keep not knocking myself through some uh, on my yeah knocking my Nathan Drake around all over the place, falling off the cliffs and hitting walls, and you know test out those grabbable environments, flirting with the ladies and stuff like that. So it should be pretty cool. Cool. And uh, I don't know. I might pick up Nine in the Woods too because I'm kind of intrigued by that. So all right, happens. But anyway, be sure and check us out next week where we talk about more video game goodness. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about, please email us at hello at theinnergamer.net. You can also find us online by going to theinnergamer.net and checking out our social channels on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitch. If you guys like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes or tell a friend. It's the only way we can grow. We do also have a Patreon set up for you, uh, the listeners, to donate to our cause in order to bring you all the great content you want to see and hear. Plus, if you do support us, we have some awesome rewards awaiting you, such as signed t-shirts being a guest on our podcast uh joining us for D sessions or maybe joining us on twitch to play some video games uh over the interwebs so head over to head over to the innergamer.net and click donate to contribute all right that's going to wrap us up this week thanks for tuning in guys my name is devin dury my name is brayton oski and i'm Luis gonzalez and in the name of austin morales you've been listening to the, the inner gamer. Oh, I'm so tired. I'm so tired right now. I'm so tired too. Very, very tired. I have to wake up at five to fly. I have to wake up at five to go to work. I have Stump. to wake up at like ten, I think, or nine or something. I hate I him. We'll see what happens. I hate him. Play video games. I hate him.
know if you feel like it. Why don't you at one point just go ahead and rip one into the mic as well? <laughs> rip one in the mic. That's funny. He said that. There it is. Rip one. Nice. Yep. 